The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. To the house, This is unbelievable. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. It's Thursday. Uh, I know why you're here, because you want winners. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Barton Simmons. Uh, a lot of exciting stuff about how to find us, because I know there's you might be watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash Cover 3. Go and give us a subscribe. Uh, also, we are have all of our episodes on that multi-platform excellence on the CBS Sports app. So if you've got the CBS Sports app on your Apple TV or on your Roku, well then guess what? You can go and find these Cover 3 episodes and you can go and put us on the big screen. Heck, put us on the projector. And of course, go and subscribe if you have not already. Now, wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, we are there. Mailbag is open. We will be different back into it. Thanks to those of you who submitted questions last week. You can do so by giving a five-star rating, leave a review, can be nice, doesn't have to be, and then within the review, go ahead and uh, and put your question. So Thursdays, we drop these locks. You want them, you come get them. Uh, before we dive into the slate, uh, quick Review, lessons learned, notes moving forward. Tom, you were three and five last week. We all went heavy with the Big Ten being back. Um, so what's the what's the thing that stands out to you besides uh, nasty, no sportsman, no sportsmanship Ryan Day punching in that garbage time touchdown to uh, to hit the over by half a point? Listen, I went three and five, but I consider myself four and four because because that of that one. Crap. Yeah, that that shouldn't that was I got screwed there. Uh, the rest of it, I mean, I don't th- I don't think there were any mistakes. Taking Illinois and the points was just kind of that was that was kind of the result nobody saw coming. Where a redshirt freshman Wisconsin QB just comes out and starts slinging the ball over the field. Nobody really sees that coming. Uh, Minnesota plus three was dead in the water as soon as you found out Minnesota, the entire right side of its offensive line was out and they were going to be missing their kicker, their punter, all that stuff. So I'm not upset about that pick. I don't think I got anything especially wrong. I just think things didn't really go my way and that Ryan Day still owes me an apology. And I hear a lot of uh, self-reflection there. 
uh, for Nelly. Hear a lot of blame going around, a lot of excuses. Uh, maybe you need to look inward, you know? I have looked inward, and inward I have seen I was right, and Ryan Day was wrong. <laughs> I mean, it was a rough week for the whole syndicate. Uh, Barton, you were 4-4, four and four, helping keep things a little bit level. Uh, we did, everybody, uh, you, me, and Danny all cashing in on that. Where is it? We got that Oklahoma minus six and a half. Great performance from the Sooners there. Uh, any notes from the week? Uh, I think I was 0-2 on overs. So mm, Over Army, pay attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bad week. Um, no, I, I don't I don't I don't even remember what my plays were. Short memory moving on. Well, Liberty wow, is that's the, a lot of self reflection you got there, Barton. I can't I can't wait for the Hugh Blinders Freeze. On. And the <laughs> Hugh Freeze got you the cash. That's probably why you were uh you were dropping the Hugh Freeze minute on Saturday night. Uh Cincinnati, K State both winners, uh losing on Illinois, losing on the over. I can't believe I lost rice. I really can't believe I lost rice. That's probably my biggest regret of the weekends. That that's uh That was a brutal loss. That was a brutal beat. Doink, we'll doink, doink, doink. We'll, yeah. We'll see if I get sucked back in this weekend. I went four and five. Uh, that's negative one for the week. Uh, I would say biggest regret, Georgia Tech, Boston College. You know, I I did not do a, a fair job of breaking down Boston College, and I did not – I got a little chesty thinking that they were going to turn into a pumpkin. So that was very wrong. And I've adjusted my notes as such. I also am going to stop going back to that Georgia tech. Well, fighting spabs, taking an L against BYU. That's just what's going to happen when you get in front of uh, the absolute locomotive that is BYU when it gets off and running. And like, like you mentioned, Minnesota, I mean, that's, that's the game we play. Uh, four and five for me. Danny, the only above 500. You showed great discipline uh, with the only person to have less than eight plays. So this is the second straight week. Disciplined Danny Cannell uh, goes light on the picks, does end up winning four and three. Uh, what stood out to you? What were the lessons learned? So much like you were saying with your Georgia Tech plays, I got to wipe the slate every week. I went back to the well with Pitt. And I didn't believe in Notre Dame, but I just feel like it was going back to that pit play maybe too soon. So that was wipe the slate clean every week. The other thing is we do our picks on Thursday, right? So mm -hmm. I did a look and, you know, we do some research, watch some films, uh, you know, present some statistics that are there. But man, I did a disservice to our listeners because the UAB Louisiana game of which I was a part of the pregame. And I found this out pretty much because I started diving into that game right after. I looked at just kind of the basic notes of the game. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the game, and I'm seeing all these Louisiana players with Looney on their back. And I'm like, Oh, the motivation. Oh. And I was like, oh, no. I can't believe I did that. And it was one of the best stories. Like, after the game, Billy Napier is crying. It was an emotion. They were down 20 to 10, right? And they came all the way back and won the game. But there are some things that are – uh, you know, outside of any film study, any uh, statistical analytical information that you can sometimes find an edge. And I did a disservice by not having that available because I don't think I would have made the same play. 
All right. So the syndicate as a whole went 15 and seven, but we remain up on the season 111, 98 and one. That is up 3.2 units. Uh, the leader on the season remains Barton Simmons, 29 and 21, up 5.9 units plus eight on the picks. Gentlemen, y'all ready to lock them up? Yes, but I want to say first, if our listeners were smart enough to also take Rutgers on the money line, they still made money last week. Yeah. Oh. Congrats. Money line big. sprinkles. Stay tuned. We will get our gloating in later. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming. Since 2005, when Service Academy's Come get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it a million times. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. All right, Danny, you've got the honors on the tee box. Uh, where would you like to go first? All right, I'm going to go with the SEC and... Um, not the Bama game, although I do have a play on that one later, but I want to start with the Georgia-Kentucky game because I think this game is really interesting. Um, there are some trends here that I like. There are counter trends. There are trends both ways. But when we did our uh, HQ segment on Tuesday and I was looking at this game, um, I really haven't changed my mind since then. You've got two offenses which clearly want to establish the run, right? They both want to run the football, maybe a little bit different styles. Of course, Terry Wilson is a quarterback, more of an integral part of the Kentucky run game. Uh, you know, obviously Stetson Bennett's going to hand the ball off a lot more. Um, both the teams struggling somewhat relatively uh, in the pass game. We also know both teams play outstanding defense. Maybe we know about Georgia as one of the better defenses in the country. Maybe we don't pay attention enough to the job Mark Stoops has done building up a year-in, year-out physical defense. I think this is going to be a lower-scoring affair. Uh, I like the fact that the number is actually increased. I think the best number I can get is plus 16.5. You got that, Tom? Uh, I can get you a 17. Oh, even better. Give me that <laughs> 17. So I think it's going to be ugly. I'm going to throw in the under as well. I know it's extremely low. It's 42 and a half. The score I've kind of, I gave on Tuesday was 24 to 10. Wouldn't surprise me at all if it was just an ugly, like, let's just get out of Dodge. You know, you get the lead and you kind of sit on it um, and you just get out of Dodge and start looking forward. So some of the trends that I saw that had me liking Kentucky uh, even a little bit more. So Georgia has failed to cover their game before playing Florida each of the last five seasons. They're one and eight against the spread in their last nine games looking ahead to the Florida game. Meanwhile, on the other side, since 2018, Kentucky is six and one against the spread and four and three straight up as a touchdown underdog. Uh, they're also in that span 12 and four against the spread with versus teams with a winning record. And they've covered uh, their last five in a row. Kentucky unders are 17 and four in conference play. It's the highest mark in the FBS. Georgia had an incredible run of unders, and yet their two last two games have gone over. Before that, they had a nine game streak. So there's some trends that I've found that I like, but it also confirmed with the way I thought this game was going to unfold. So I'm going to take Kentucky getting the 17, and I'm going to take the under 42 and a half. Extremely low number. I love you. <laughs> Martin, I hope I hope that was like a like a knife right into your heart. He's taking it under forty two and a half. Are you? No. What's <laughs> the number so low? <laughs> what is the um? 
What's the so seventeen is the biggest number you can get uh, for Kentucky. What's the smallest number you can get for Georgia? <laughs> oh, is this are you, uh, fourteen I can and get a half? You a fifteen and a half. Oh, um, okay. Because yeah, like I don't that, that scares me a little bit. That number ticking up like that. But uh, are you? If I can get something in the fifteen range, I'm going to play Georgia. Fight! 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 Been a lot of, a lot of love and pats on the back between Maverick and Iceman lately. It's time to renew the the icy uh, relationship we once had. I think, here, here, like the thing that I see with Kentucky is a team that just is lost offensively right now. I don't think Georgia is a good team to be lost with offensively. I think I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying like, I, here's my hunch. My hunch is I don't know that I would play a, a Kentucky first half line, but I would play a Georgia second half line. Like I think that this is going to be probably like, you're, we're probably going to hit halftime and we're going to be on the text thread. And Danny's going to be like, see, I told you looking good, you know, cash in my, uh, my, my lock fight win. And then I think things are just going to start to spiral out of control in the second half as the snaps start to add up and Georgia's defense continues to pound away on the Kentucky offense. I just don't know how Kentucky is going to move the ball very effectively. Um, and again, like there's the, I think you can probably survive just trying to manage the game for 30 minutes. I don't think that's going to work for 60. And so I, I, I think that uh, I think that Georgia is gonna gonna go big here in the second half. I think that gets to seventeen. Like again, if I had to take it at seventeen, I don't think I'd play it. But I think it gets to seventeen, maybe more. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Georgia here. Respect. Um, anything on anybody taking anything on Thursday night where we've got South Alabama, Georgia Southern, and Colorado State, Fresno State on the Mothership CBS Sports Network. Remember, you can stream all CBS Sports Network games through the CBS Sports app. Just remember to log in through your cable provider or uh, while we're tackling the weeknight games, any Friday night with Minnesota, Maryland, ECU, Tulsa, and Hawaii, Wyoming. I'm taking a Thursday night game. Okay, let's, let's, let's tackle them in chronological order. I am taking South Alabama plus four against Georgia Southern. Speaking of self-reflection, I have been wrong on South Alabama earlier this year. You know, the game against Southern Miss, I didn't take that win very seriously. Moving on a couple of the metrics that I track weren't exactly positive for South Alabama. And I kind of wrote it off as the weeks have gone on though. This is a team that it wasn't fluky. They had a, they had a couple of bad performances that you know messed things up. But overall, there's been a trend in the right direction with this Jaguars team, and I see them going up against the Georgia Southern team, which is really difficult to stop. All you know, option teams like that are. But I think offensively that this Jaguars team is going to be able to find a lot of room and success against this Georgia Southern defense to, at the very least, stick within this number, if not pull off the upset outright on Thursday night. So. Give me South Alabama plus four at Georgia Southern. Respect. Um, I'm going to, I just, it's right here. I need to hit it. It's going to be windy in Laramie. That's right. Tom, what are our wins looking like at uh, Jonah Field at War Memorial Stadium in Laramie on Friday night? Well, Chip, I'm glad you asked. We're going to have clear skies. 
with temperatures in the mid to low 40s at kickoff with winds between 11 and 14 miles per hour howling through War Memorial Stadium on Friday evening. 59 and a half. I know Todd Graham is back, right? This is this is what we're looking at with this Hawaii team. Todd Graham's trying to build out an offensive staff. He's trying to to come out there and put up points, but it is going to be windy in Laramie. And we've got Wyoming at home. Uh, disappointing first game for the Cowboys, but they still have an identity. Uh, clash of styles. Give me the under 59 and a half. Lock agreement. <laughs> it's it's going to be windy and Laramie principle. I don't need to explain it. How's Hawaii going to throw the ball with all those crosswinds? Come on. Oh. Yeah, no it's cold chance. and windy. Just get out of there and go home. Yeah, that's all you do in Laramie. Just get out of there and go home. So you're under 59 and a half. Uh, anything else from Friday? Actually, I get a 60 chip. Ooh, let's get it. Nothing else from Friday? Not for me. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get us uh, to the... Uh, because I'm curious to see where this is going to go, but uh, it is one of the biggest games of the weekend, and the the biggest games of the weekend are available in our, the new College Pick'em on CBSSports.com. So the College Pick'em contest is open from Tuesday at noon to Saturday. It's about 10 to 15 of the biggest college football games, and you make picks against the spread, and if you win the contest, I mean... There's $1,000 being given away every week guaranteed. You can go to cbssports.com slash college. Again, it is uh, the way the slate is picked out. It's 10 to 15 games. It's almost always the biggest games. So a lot of the games that we break down here on the Cover 3 Podcast Locks Edition are going to be uh, available. Again, it opens on Tuesday, closes noon Saturday. So all Thursday, all Friday, even Saturday morning, you can go in there, cbssports.com slash college. It is the cbssports.com college pick them. And I do believe that Ohio state Penn state is certainly going to be one of those games that is selected for this week where you can go try to win the thousand dollars that's being given away to the winners of the contest. Uh, yo. So, I mean, I just, I don't want to overthink this. Uh, I'm, I'm listening to Urban Meyer. You know, he's he's out here saying uh, the the whiteout conditions is worth seven to ten points. Urban Meyer's probably never thought about gambling on a game in his life, but he's out here trying to move lines. Come on, Herbs. <laughs> but I just don't, I think that Ohio State is a juggernaut right now, and I think that every single opportunity is an opportunity to uh, just just go out there and continue to to get better and play at a championship level. You're measuring yourself against Alabama and Clemson just like every single week because Penn State's not going to be able to do it. So I'll lay the twelve points, and I'm just I'm not going to think too hard about it. Uh, I think the Buckeyes do belong in that tier where. You just uh, like you don't. It's, it's like the Clemson Miami game, where we just you went into it. You're like, oh, is Miami gonna be able to make it a game? No, no. Same thing with Penn State right here. Take the Buckeyes, the more complete team. They looked better, um, and I don't think the home field does much, if anything, at all for Penn State. So I'll take Ohio State minus twelve, unless I can get like an eleven and a half or something. I can get you an eleven. Let's go eleven. Anybody what's else the, on this? What's the biggest number there is on that one? Oh, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
Let, let's get the lock agreement out well, of the way first before <laughs> Barton becomes a jerk about it. <laughs> Barton just showed up to the show today like, I'm going to fight everybody about everything. Let's go. No, lock agreement, Chip. I'm, I'm with you. I just, it's the same. Like, I took Ohio State in this same game last year for the same reasons I'm taking it here today. And it is just that I don't think Sean Clifford can keep up with the Ohio State offense and Justin Fields. And if we look back to that meeting last year, it was closer in the score. It was the final score, like 27 to 17 or something like that. But 10 of Penn State's points came in a four-minute span where Ohio State fumbled the ball deep in its own territory twice. So those two scoring drives that it had came from a t- total of 23 yards on the two possessions. One, they actually pounded it into the end zone because they started inside the 10. And the other, I think they started it like the Penn State or the Ohio State 29. They picked up three yards before Ohio State forced them to kick a field goal. Penn State was not able to move the ball successfully at all against this defense last year. And I don't know what's different about this Penn State offense in 2020 to make me think they're going to have even more success than they did last year. So I think they'll stick around. I think they'll make a game of it in the first half. But I think in the second half, kind of like you were talking about with that Georgia-Kentucky game, Barton, I think Ohio State's just going to be too much, just like we saw last week against Nebraska. You can hang with these guys for a little bit. You can take some punches. But then once you get to the later rounds, those body blows start to wear on you and you just give in. And I think the Buckeyes will roll in the second half and cover this one with ease. So what's the biggest number there is? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest number I could get you. And there's a lot of variation in the lines this week from book to book. It's 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 a weird weekend, but I can get you 12 and a half. Okay, I don't think that's big enough for me, but I will say I'm going to be keeping an eye on this as I, I would expect most people are going to be on Ohio State leading into the game. Um, uh, now that you two have lock agreed on this, I'm sure – the line's going to continue to move, you know. That's us uh, moving that's lines. That's what we do. <laughs> us and Urban. If it gets up to like, certainly if it gets to fourteen, I'm on Penn State. If it gets to like thirteen and a half, even I, 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 I might jump on Penn State because I think that the like the elements are still in place. I get the White House gone, but uh, the elements are still in place for Penn State to be competitive here. I mean, they still have, I think, a an efficient run game teed up. I know that uh, Noah Kane's gone. Journey Brown's gone. I think that the, what they're missing there is Journey Brown more than anything because of the, the big play threat he provides. Uh, but, but Sean Clifford can still move the ball with his legs. They'll be a little bit more efficient in the pass game, I think, in, in week two. They're playing some young guys at receiver. The defense is still really, really good. Ohio State was just okay stopping the run last week. They were just okay on the defensive line. They're just okay at the running back position. Uh, and so I think that Penn State, because of John Clifford's legs and because of the defense, specifically the secondary, and by the way, Chris Olave is like still questionable. I bet he plays, but that's, that's an unknown right now. I just think Penn State, like all the reasons Penn State has t- traditionally played Ohio State close are still present in this matchup. So I'm, I'm staying away for now, but I'm going to keep an eye on the line. I like the way you're thinking. I, I would lean towards Penn State side too. I just don't know if there's value in either one of these. Like I think there's better game, there's better opportun- opportunities elsewhere. You've got so like wanna, 12 I, logs that you're ready to throw on the fire <laughs> yes, and you're like, no, I didn't this even isn't get one to one of them. Like, like you know, I'll, this is the most exciting entertaining game of the weekend, but I I wouldn't be surprised with a lot of different outcomes. Like but I feel like the right side is Penn State. 
All I right. The public side is more of a, is Ohio state. All right, Danny, where's take us where you want to go. All right. Uh, maybe go. I said, I wasn't going to go back to the well, try to clean, uh, wipe the slate, but, but. <laughs> we haven't seen it. We haven't seen this team in a while. It's a play that has worked somewhat. Uh, does anybody know who has the worst defense in the sec statistically? Is it the Gators? Is it not Total defense? Miss? It is Ole Miss, correct, Barton. Does anybody know who has the worst offense in the SEC? Vanderbilt. So you've got yeah, these no, two teams squaring off against each other. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a oh, this is just what the doctor ordered type of game for one of those sides, right? Because Ole Miss's defense, horrible. Vanderbilt's offense, horrible. One of them should have a confidence-boosting performance. Man, we don't have to shut down this team. We can, you know, maybe we can move the ball against this team. I think Ole Miss is the better side of this equation. I think Ole Miss will be able to get some stops versus a Vanderbilt offense, which is really struggling. And Ole Miss's defense has been trashed. They've also gone against some really good offenses. This will be by far the easiest matchup that they've played. Um, I think they'll score like they have against everybody, including Alabama. I think they'll put up a lot of points. So give me Vanderbilt laying 15 and a half as well as the under 64 and a half. Wait, you know, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ole Miss laying. the Rebels I, laying 15 and a half, right? The Rebels, yes. The yeah, Rebels okay. laying 15. What did and I say? The under? You I said saying? Vandy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Give me, the, uh, give me Ole Miss laying the 15 and a half and I'll take the under 64 and a half. All right. Man with an old miss under. That's uh I mean it's Vandy. I got you. I got Ole Miss is right. Ole Miss's unders hit each of the last 2 weeks at least. Yeah. Right. Is this where the um, dentist is? The oh, yeah. dentist. What is the dentist on? Okay, let me see. The dentist is he's not on this game. He has a different one. Um and but he likes let me see he like he does like Ole Miss um Ole Miss was like one of his his, his just missed picks um I'm I'm also gonna play this uh and I this this time we're gonna we're gonna unite Danny we're gonna join forces there we go I'll be your wingman here okay there we go. uh I, I I I agree I just think Ole Miss um look Vandy's coming off some some COVID stuff. They're, they're still a team that's been depleted. They're still a team that is going to be outgunned, I think. I, I, I almost, this was, this is a game I was closest just like leaving off the card. I got a big list today, like a really big list. And, 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 and none of them I feel great about. They're all just games that I kind of like. So I might just load it up with like 20 this week and just, just let it fly. But, uh, I, I think that I think Ole Miss has just got too much too much heat on offense, and I and I still don't necessarily trust Vandy to put up a big number. So I'm going to go Ole Miss. We're getting 15 and a half here. Yeah. All right, I'll take it. You guys have a lot of confidence in that Ole Miss defense. I don't. <laughs> I, I I have a lack of confidence in that Vanderbilt offense. 
Now, when it comes to confidence, nothing gives you more confidence going through your day than having the right kind of outfit. The kind of outfit that you're not sweating about. You're like, man, do I have the right clothes on? It's, it doesn't quite feel right. No, when you've got the perfect outfit put together from some new pieces from Express, well, then you've got the kind of comfort and the kind of versatility and the flattering fit that you need to go and accomplish all of your goals. We're talking all day comfort. It feels like your favorite sweats because it's got this little extra stretch and it's soft, but the flattering fit means that you can go and you can take this to the fanciest uh, potential social or work engagement that you've got on your schedule. The wrinkle-resistant fabric also makes it great for traveling. If you've got one of those situations where you've got a long drive or a flight, you know that when you arrive somewhere, you've got to get right to it. Well, that's another thing that Express is going to be able to do. Uh, and that all-day comfort, that all-day versatility just going to free up your mind. You're not going to have to worry about going and getting in an outfit change. And you can get $25 off your $50 purchase from Express by texting FOOTBALL, that is FOOTBALL, to 397737. Once again, we, we have tested the code. Text FOOTBALL to 397737 to get $25 off your $50 purchase from Express. It, it is the great way to uh, get a wardrobe together that is going to allow you to move through your day without sweating whether or not you've got uh, the right kind of outfit for the occasion and make sure that you're comfortable in doing it. So once again, text FOOTBALL to 397737. 737 to receive $25 off your $50 purchase from Express. Who wants it? All right, I'll take it. Let's go West Virginia minus three and a half. You're looking on the board and you're thinking, man, like why, why are we seeing these situations where the top 25 team is on the road, you know, Kansas State, four and one, going up against this West Virginia team that's 500 against FBS opponents. Why is West Virginia favored by a three and a half? And like Danny, I, it's funny because I feel like this is a, a Danny Cannell special. I don't know how you feel about this game, but it's always like I look for the numbers that don't make sense and I side with what doesn't make sense. But yep. the reason why West Virginia is favored here is because their defense is really good. Their defense has difference makers in Kansas State. You know, they can only rely so much on Deuce Vaughn. Uh, I think that Letty Brown has a, a big game running the ball. And I think that West Virginia wins this game by a touchdown. It is a huge game for West Virginia in the way that this season is going to break. Uh, Kansas State, no Big 12 losses yet. You could say that they're due. I'm not going to argue with the odds makers here. It's going to be a defense-heavy game, but ultimately I believe in Jarrett Dagey and Letty Brown to get it done uh, over Kansas State offensively. So give me the Mountaineers. I'll lay the three and a half uh, in Morgantown. Yep, you sweet, naive fool. <laughs> Lock fight? Lock fight. Fight, 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 fight. Yeah, West Virginia does have a great defense. In fact, if you look at it yards per play, it's been the best in the Big 12. It's one of the best in the country. I think it's top 10. Except you have to look a little deeper, Chip. West Virginia, let's see, in a game against Eastern Kentucky, hey, they allowed 4.2 yards per play. Good for them. Against Baylor, a team that punts from the opponent's 30 because its coach is a defensive coordinator, it allowed 3.61 yards per play. Against Kansas, 
it allowed 2.91 yards per play, which really tilts their overall numbers. But if we look at their game against Oklahoma State, they allowed 27 points, 5.43 yards per play. Last week against Texas Tech, they allowed 34 points, 5.19 yards per play. The defense isn't nearly as good as the numbers suggest, and they're facing a Kansas State team that just waxed Kansas 55-14 to 14 last week with its backup quarterback. They did a better job of beating Kansas than West Virginia did, and this is a – Will Howard has stepped in for Skylar Thompson, and there really hasn't been a huge drop-off. He's not Skylar Thompson. He's not as, he's not as accomplished as a passer – but Kansas State has still been effective running the ball with both Howard and Deuce Vaughn. Defensively, they are still sound. Special teams, they are still sound. They are going on the road, and they are getting a cover at an absolute minimum in this spot. Give me Kansas State plus four because the wrong team is favored. Sorry, Coca, that it's the truth. All right, I'm going to get in on this because I just want to point out something. Like, we have... Maverick and Iceman, we got a nice little nickname for the uh, Barton and DK special. We need, and it's been pretty successful, right? We're four and two when we side up, when we unite forces. But do you know what the ACC boys are? <laughs> when they team up eight and two, when Chip and I are in lock agreement, you started it off with, I feel like this is a Danny Cannell special. <laughs> And you are 100% right. It is our boy Coca, the most annoying West Virginia fan you will ever meet. It is his 30th birthday, so I think he's going to be celebrating. I'm going to take you as well. I think this Kansas State team, I think I, I just, I think they're not as good as their record says they are. I don't think they're the 16th best team in the country. You mentioned the Kansas win. Like, that's what we're using as barometer because Kansas State looked good against Kansas. Like, well, that's, that's what, what we're doing. That's what Chip's using as his West Virginia. No, I like the personnel. barometer. No, Darius Stills is a baller. Like, the, the defensive yeah. line, the defensive front in general, West Virginia, like, that is a personnel play. That's not a stats play. I've been poking holes in the Big 12 defense is, is back because everyone gets to play Kansas narrative. Like, I've definitely been, uh, I've definitely been on that, but. Uh, I, I just like it from a personnel and just from an eye test perspective more than anything. Me and Chip, ACC boys. Let's yeah, go. the ACC boys are strolling down to the Big 12 where they have no idea what they're doing and getting themselves <laughs> into. It's a gunfight, boys. So I feel like I've just strolled. I'm just like strolling down the sidewalk and I look in the alley and there's and there's two guys just like wailing away on one guy like oh, he's outnumbered and, and you know oh, like so so you know I, I like i can't be a, a good citizen and not see this going on and not creep into the, the, the alley myself and just like try to intervene and so I, I i break up the fight i break up the fight i look at chip and danny these guys are just wailing away on this poor innocent little boy tom fernelli and i say you know what? That's a really good idea. And I pick up a <laughs> chair in the alley and I start wailing away on him too. I want in. I want to beat up on Tom too. I have this on my lock sheet. I believe in West Virginia. West Virginia will cover the spread. I have watched Kansas State this year and I it is at, it is so impressive and admirable the way they found victories and wins. But I just like Chip said, I test. I test tells me, look, true freshman quarterback, you know, the, the, the clock's ticking on that. He, you know, we've seen them sort of create these big plays 
through Deuce Vaughn at the, at the running back position. They, they just, they found ways and credit to them, special teams. Um, but I just think at some point you're not going to get those breaks. And I think that this is a game that West Virginia really needs. I think this is a disciplined team. I think it's a good defense, good enough. I, I think that Letty Brown gets some big plays. I, I like West Virginia winning. Barton, I, I have bad news for you. That scenario that you brought up, that happened once. Unfortunately for the two guys, the third person didn't show up. And and you pulled a gun and you shot no. them or something? <laughs> no, I got lucky with one punch, knocked the first one out. Just a lucky throw because I was kind of defending myself. And that guy got knocked out. And then I was able to take the other guy on my own. <laughs> um, uh, I, need, I need some backstory on this. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a whole it's other not, podcast. It's, it's, not, it's not content for the pod, but we'll talk about it after. Right. Yeah. There was more uh, stories from Fernelli's youth. Well, yeah, yeah, there was a um, there was a mailbag question that might need to get brought up in next week's mailbag about whose alma mater would you like to attend in the years that they were there? If going to Illinois when Tom is there means that I'm getting stuck in bar fights, I don't know, man. I kind of reconsider my uh, my choices here. Uh, Wasn't a bar fight. It was a just an alley fight. Just an alley fight. Wasn't an alley fight. It was a street fight. Literal Ooh. street fight. That's just a just a man with scars and <laughs> <man with> stories. <laughs> All right. Um, who wants it? I think Barton uh, should go. You've only got three on the board. Okay. Got a lot to, got a lot to clear yeah. out. Okay. Um, I'll go to, let's see, Notre Dame's playing Georgia Tech. Let's get that one off the board here. This is, I, I've, I've, I love the approach Notre Dame is taking right now. I love hearing the quotes that are coming out of Brian Kelly and Kyle Hamilton and some of their leaders. It's, it's, it's anti every game at a, like one game at a time or one to know this week. It's, it's, it's no longer this like cliche. It's, it's, we have an expectation for this team to be among the elite in college football. We understand, and this is paraphrasing, but like they're basically saying this stuff. We understand that Clemson is two weeks away. We understand it last week that Clemson is three weeks away. We do have that game circled. We're not taking it one week at a time, but we are measuring ourselves against ourselves. Like we are going into each week understanding like it's not just about beating Pitt. It's not just about beating Georgia Tech. It's about holding ourselves to a standard so that we are prepared for a game like that against Clemson. We want to prove week in, week out that we are an elite football team. I think it's a mindset that is resonating with me. It certainly seems to be resonating with the team. I think they're playing a Georgia Tech team that's just not quite good enough. And I do think it, 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 goes, it still goes back to that Louisville game that like everyone's going to, you know, everyone was, was wringing their hands over 12-7 win, that, that was really a lot more dominant than I think that, that, that the score appears. So now they're going on I, I, what I think is a couple straight weeks of really strong performances. I think that they're, they're going to put their foot on the gas uh, and, and take care of business against Georgia Tech. I know it's a big number, 20 points, I think, but I'm going to take Notre Dame laying the big number uh, sort of the anti-letdown spot play and uh, and just think they got the right mentality here. I I like it. I like it a lot. I'm a little bit uh, nervous, but my, my gut says that, uh, that that you're in the right place. And I'll tell you what, on the um, 
on Tuesday's HQ show, I was back in my bag with Notre Dame unders, but I'm even a little bit nervous about that in a way that would probably uh, work in your favor just because the the spring game offense, just running the ball, Georgia Tech might be in trouble, but big number. This is, I don't know what to do with the yellow jackets. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit shook obviously. Um, so I'm, I'm staying away, but I like where your head's at. Uh, I'll take things to, uh, the sec, the sec East where we've got the super swamp brothers and the alpha nerd. We've got a Florida defense where we don't know exactly how quarantine has been going, but I certainly don't think that isolation was going to be the time where a group that wasn't great at tackling in the open field and wasn't great at their assignment. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know how many mental reps over zoom you can do to be able to uh, fix some of those issues. I think you got to go live, uh, live reps to be able to do that. So I, I look at this number at 61 and a half. And I think like the over, I think the totals 13 and a half, 14, something like that. I lean Missouri, uh, just believing in the alpha nerd and the way that the Tigers offense has looked since making the change at quarterback. But I do think that the ability to score in Florida's offense, being able to overwhelm Missouri uh, in this spot on Saturday night in the swamp, I think that we see a lot of points. So Florida overs, we've missed you. You haven't been in action since October 10th. Let's get back on it. Gators overs 61 and a half, if that's the best number I can get. It is. Okay. Um, what's the number? 61? Mm-hmm. 61, <clears throat> 61 and a half. 61 and a half. Uh, so I, I, I was thinking about playing Missouri and the points here, um, but I think I like the over better. So sign me up. I'm in. I'm in. Whoa, wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not, no, no explanation necessary. I, look, I think that Missouri's, um, they have the secret weapon. They have the alpha nerd Florida. I, I'm a little worried about like what they're going to look like in terms of just the COVID stuff. But they, as long as Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask are out there, I think they're going to be able to get a number. So I, I just think these teams are going to score. All right. Who wants I mean, it? I'm not going to take it, but when I was on HQ on Tuesday, I did pick the over in this game too so i don't like it i think there's better value elsewhere and this is the game on tuesday i think on hq i this was probably the one that i have the worst feel for because what have the gators been doing for two weeks like how much work have they been doing i'm slightly concerned that the offense which was clicking could struggle a little bit but i at the same time I feel like there's enough firepower where it might be, you know, they might have kicked a field goal at seven to three. Maybe they're down in the first quarter and then all of a sudden they click it, turn it on and they can figure things out for the three quarters and maybe still hit the over. Cool. All right, Danny, uh, where do you find I, value? Missouri. St- I, I would, I still would, um, I would support any Missouri plays there as well. I just, I don't know. It feels like Florida already has had issues with Missouri and now you got a Missouri offense is starting to click and a, you know, and Florida's coming off COVID COVID break. So we'll see. 
All right, I will take us to um, let's go to the Alabama Mississippi State game. Um, Mississippi State has had some issues. They have Kylan Hill now gone, three other players. Uh, Mike Leach did say he wanted to purge the program. He said, wouldn't be surprised if there's more to come. I'm worried about where this team is mentally. It is a massive number um, for, of course, and it should be, Alabama's favored by 30 and a half. Um, I think Alabama's the right side, but I'm also a little bit interested to see what it looks like without Jalen Waddell. Um don't look now, but Mississippi State's defense has actually been playing well. Um, I think Alabama's going to win. I think it'll be close to the number. We've seen Mike Leach struggle somewhat to get things going, finding a quarterback. Will Rogers is KJ Costello. You know, the interceptions have been a struggle. I'm going to take the under in this game. It's at 64. Um, I think Bama... I think they might focus on running the ball a little bit more, you know, take a little bit of load off the pass game. Uh, I think they'll be able to shut down Mississippi State's offense, which has been kind of, I don't want to say figured out because I don't know how long that lasts. I don't know if Mississippi State's going to put up many points. So I could totally see a blowout probably around 42 to 10-ish. You know, wouldn't be surprised at all. That's well under. You know, maybe there's always the risk if they have this breakout game, they could easily score 52. Maybe there's also the other side. Maybe Mike Leach does get some points late, but that's a big number uh, for me in this game. So I'm going to take the under. I like it. I'm not on it, but I like it. Third under, by the way, Tom. I know. I'm just... (laughs) (laughs) Hard eyes emojis over there coming from Chicago. Can you see him? Can you see him? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, I mean... I'll, I'll get on the under love with you in the SEC. My next play, I'm also I'm going to the SEC West. I'm taking LSU at Auburn under 66. Uh, this is just it's what it's probably my favorite play in the SEC this week. It's we saw last week and Barton and I we talked about this on HQ last night when Miles Brennan has been starting at quarterback for LSU. They've been throwing about 44 passes per game. Last week, TJ Finley took over. They threw 21, so literally less than half of what they had been doing. And I think that is just a stylistic change that they feel they have to make going from Brennan to Finley, who will be starting again this week, in which they're relying more on their run game and being more conservative with a young quarterback out there who did very well passing the ball. But I think part of the reason he did so well was because they were having a pick and choose the right spots to do it. And I think that's going to be the approach again against this Auburn defense. So we're going to see them running the ball a lot, which will keep the clock running. On the other side of the ball, LSU's problems this year have been pass defense. Its run defense isn't spectacular, but it's the pass defense that has gotten it into trouble and has caused to lose games. But even that has been improving in the last couple of weeks. And in this matchup, they're going up against an Auburn team that can't throw the ball. It's Bo Nix heaving prayers up to Seth Williams, and Seth Williams is a monster, so he's able to pull down a good number of them. But that's it. That's their entire passing attack, and that's really hard to find consistency when that's all you can do. And I don't. I think Auburn and Tank Bigsby are going to be able to run the ball against LSU. They're going to have success, but they're not going to be able to just run all over them. So again, the clock's going to be burning and running and not stopping throughout this game. So when I see a total in the 60s, I think that both of these offenses are going to have a difficult time keeping up that pace. And then I saw the trend that kind of just pushed it over for the top for me. 
Last 20 years, the under is 14 and six in this series. So I'm taking the under 66. This game Lock is it up. Bena- Ooh. Yeah. I, like this. I, I need one more under just to make it complete. I, it's killing the uh, over army over there that Barton has been the general love. I feel kind of bad selling him out, but you have me sold too. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, some of these numbers that I found for this game, it's kind of annoying because they're since the start of last season. Uh, you know, LSU overs are 13 and six. Well, that was one of the most <laughs> yeah. prolific offenses we've ever seen. Like, so what good does that do me? On the flip side, Auburn has had consistency, especially at quarterback. Auburn has gone under in eight of their last 11 games, which dates back to the LSU game last season. Uh, Bo Nix last year against LSU, which wasn't very great defensively that season either, um, had just 4.5 yards per attempt. He had 157 yards on 35 attempts. It was the second worst mark of his career. So that kind of uh, just enforces that again. I don't think Bo Nix is going to have some light him up type performance. So give me the under as well. I think the number is too high in this one. Yes. Uh, the dentist wants in on some action here. Ooh. <laughs> so this the, the dentist play of the week here is actually LSU minus three. All right. Um, he is on the – this is not his play, but because I'm only going to allow him one. He has several he likes this week, but he is one. <laughs> and his one is LSU minus three. He also has a look back. He also likes Ole Miss, by the way. So we're, I'm in good company there. Um, but uh, he also is is a, a giving a, handing out a dental recommendation to hedge the LSU line with an overplay as well. He thinks if Auburn wins, it'll hit on the over. I am actually going to go ahead and get in a in a fight with my dentist. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Auburn here. I don't know like what this, what the logical, sensical, analytical reason is other than, look, we have all acknowledged the presence of this celestial being that has his hand on Auburn football. And th- that's there. It's not no reason it's going anywhere. I think Auburn is, is, is really good at finding a way to make these games close. They seem to have a knack for finding a way to win these games. And I've, I've um, presented this theory in the past. I, when, a, when a quarterback, really any true freshman, but specifically a quarterback, has a breakout first game, first career start, I think there's a comeback down to earth in start two or in the, in the following weeks because it's just a mental thing to me. Like, it's a, when you have a lot of success right out of the gate, like you don't really know any better. And then you start to think, and then teams get some tape, and then there's just some of your flaws can get exposed. And so I just worry about LSU a little bit in week two with 10 TJ Finley. And I think that Auburn is, is I mean, LSU's, these are both teams that need to win. Um, I, I, I trust Auburn a little bit more to, to figure this one out. So I'm going Auburn, um, catching some points on this one. I can get you three and a half, actually. If you want. I'd love a, I'd love an extra hook. Mm-hmm. You guys ever feel like you're always on? You feel like you never get a moment to chill? I mean, these days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. You just got 
long list of things to do. People expect that just because you're spending more time at home that you can do more things. Well, man, like you just, you never get a chance to hit reset, but there is one drink that is literally made to chill. And that is Coors Light. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what game is on on a Saturday, that day, Saturdays are your time to chill. Maybe your team isn't playing. Maybe you're a Wisconsin fan or maybe your team's just off this week. Well, guess what? Uh, Saturday is still a day where you can turn on the TV and flip through an entire slate of games. It is the excuse to chill and drink a beer. Watching football is therapeutic to fans. It is the uninterrupted me time, and it's a great excuse to sit around and drink a Coors Light. So Coors Light basically is the official beer of watching any college football team just for the reasons of to drink a Coors Light. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for any moment to unwind. When the day gets a little bit tense and we're getting pulled, we're doing in-game HQ updates, we're taking notes, getting ready for the podcast, we're live blogging. Well, well, man, not, nothing would uh, reset my day and, and help me hit that reset button than a cold Coors Light. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's literally made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at GetCoorsLight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I will take us to Charlottesville, Virginia, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, the, the argument, so let's see, Georgia-Auburn's like the Deep South's oldest rivalry, and then like North Carolina-Virginia likes to claim that because they had like a little country club event back in like 1868 <laughs> that they're actually the oldest rivalry. Well, this re- reconstruction era hate, it's, uh, it, it's going to be all the way through this. You might be looking at this line like, man, why is North Carolina only a seven-point favorite? I look at Virginia and I see a team that even though Brandon Armstrong's back in the lineup, Lavelle Davis, the six, five wide receiver has been a great threat in the passing game. He is probably going to miss this game, but Virginia's defense has faced some pretty good rushing teams. And in those games is played. All right. North Carolina's got the best one, two punch at running back in the entire country. The only one, two running back punch with both players averaging over a hundred yards per game in Javante Williams and Michael Carter. The story really hasn't been Sam Howell this year, but they're going to need Sam Howell to win this game. I see a game that if Virginia is going to win, it's going to have to muck it up. It's going to have to play a lot of ball control, play some keep away. And so I see a low scoring game. I think North Carolina wins. I feel, feel like it's a three, four, seven point North Carolina win. I don't think they're just going to go into Charlottesville and get out of there with a, a double digit win. I won't be on the spread, but just for where I'm leaning, but I think it's going to be a hard fought one. And so I will be taking the under 61 and a half in reconstruction era hate North Carolina, Virginia. That's ballsy, can, dig it. You think I'm North? Not, I mean, North Carolina unders in general is the is the ballsy part of that. Uh, I I just think that this is a weird game. I just I just don't know I I just don't know what to make of it as much as anything. Um, the line's weird. The like. I think the teams have been a little unpredictable. I just, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I can I give you a 62. Carolina. I'll take 62. 
I think North Carolina houses them. I thought that was a very mature sign of growth. Their win against NC State, but I just I, I don't know the Danny Cannell special. You see the right. six and a half exactly. or seven, right? Yeah. It just feels like it's begging you to take the heels, and maybe that's the right side. I just don't. I don't know. I don't feel great about it. I'll trust Chip on his North Carolina. Uh, I'm going to go to a game that I wasn't planning to take. And I didn't really think I would take it. But then I started looking closer, talked to the couple friends who pointed some things out to me. And it dawned on me that I absolutely had to take it. I'm taking Michigan State plus 25. Yo! Yeah, I'm thinking about that one too. Talk to me. All right. So here's the thing. We know that Rutgers or Michigan State turned the ball over seven times. And that obviously played a large role in Rutgers winning in our money line sprinkle cashing. But if you look back, because of those turnovers, the average drive Rutgers had for a touchdown in that game was 35 yards. They had terrific field position. Overall, Michigan State's defense really did not play that poorly. If you look at it from a per-play basis, they were just put in god-awful positions. Then we go to the other side, Michigan. The dirt bike offense looked fantastic against Minnesota. But as I talked about at the top of the show, Minnesota was without half of its starting offensive line. It was without its kicker. It was without its punter. And you want to start talking about field position. Michigan, it's only one game, but through one game, Michigan has the best average starting field position in the country. They have a field position margin of plus 13 yards. They were starting their drives average at their own 43-yard line. So they did not have very far to go. And while they had some explosive plays, they also, you know, it, it, it helps that they had short fields. So I look at this and I think that this is an overreaction. I think that Michigan is a much better team than Michigan state. I mean, for the love of God, I picked Rutgers to beat Michigan state last week for a reason. I don't think the Spartans are a very good team, but I don't think Michigan's 25 points better than Michigan state either. I think that this spread should be in the 17 to 18 point range. And the results of last week really kind of tilted the line for both teams with Michigan state looking so horrible and everybody, you know, when Michigan looks well, there's a, I don't know if you guys have heard, but there are a large portion of Michigan fans spread throughout the country and they love to bet on their beloved maize and blue and books have to account for that. And I think we're seeing part of that because coming off a big win on the road in the primetime spotlight game against a ranked Minnesota team, getting the little brown jug, there's some enthusiasm in Ann Arbor. And I think that they're going to win this game against Michigan State. They're going to win it 95 times out of 100. Let's be clear. But are they going to win it by more than 25 points? I'm not so sure. So I'm taking the Sparties. All right. So I think this is the right side. I am very tempted to play it. I'm not going to because the 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 thing that I could envision is just you know, maybe Michigan's got a really good team this year and maybe just maybe Harbaugh tries to rub it in a few people's faces that we're really good this year and if it gets down to the fourth quarter you know he may just say you know what let's keep it let, let's keep those dirt bikes humming like let's let's get a couple more points in here let's let's run it up just a tad I don't know it's hard to know how bad Michigan State is um, so I'm a, like, I'm going to stay away, but I'm very tempted. I think that's gotta be the right side. Um, I just, I just, I, I'm not going to play it. Does anyone else have this game? No, I'm off All Rocky right. Lombardi until, uh, I can get more data points. <laughs> All right. So, so I'm going to sort of, 
fade the um, the Rutgers Michigan State game in another way. I I, I get you, you're saying on Michigan State. I think it makes sense. I think it's the right side. I'm going to lay off that one. Instead, I'm going to go to Indiana, where it's laying 10 and a half, unless Ten. I can get a better number, 10. Ten. So I can get Indiana minus 10 against Rutgers, who still only averaged 3.8 yards per play, who was the recipient of five lost fumbles, who had seven turnovers to buoy this win against Michigan State. And... I think Indiana, now they didn't look like world beaters against Penn State, but I think that's a really good defense they were playing against. I think they'll, they'll find a, a, a little more forgiving of a unit at Rutgers. And I just, I think the 10 is not enough. Um, I think that Rutgers isn't like back all of a sudden. Um, and so let's, let's, let's take that value while we can get it in, in an overreaction. Um, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take the Hoosiers. But what if Rutgers is a really good team? <laughs> like the Michigan principal. <laughs> and then I would congratulate them. <laughs> like no, shake their hands. That's I'm I'm not locking it up, but I, I do like that principle there. If Indiana played poorly and won that game, Indiana's got better performances ahead this season. Hey, you know what? Lock agreement, I'm jumping on. It was on the edge of the card, but I was All the same reasons. It's I'm happy Rutgers got its win out of the way, but I don't want. I mean, and I picked it to happen, and but I don't want to let that affect me thinking that Rutgers is suddenly good because it's for all that. The same reasons I'm taking Michigan State this week. That outcome in that game was just kind of a random outcome that's probably not going to happen very often if they were to play it again. So yeah, I, I Indiana played poorly and won. Rutgers played poorly and won. Of the two teams, I expect to bounce back and play well this weekend. I would rather have faith in Indiana in this spot. I think that 10 is a little too small. Principles. There is a score on the board that like Big Ten teams would dream of. You know, there is a total in the gosh darn 80s. And as somebody who's driven by the same principles that had me taking Syracuse plus 46 and a half and walk into the window with it. I'm taking the under 83 in UCF Houston. It's an 83. <laughs> 82 and a half is the best I can get. You okay. Now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you realize if I get three punts, I'm all of a sudden in a great position. Hmm. <laughs> uh, a couple of those might be returned for scores. <laughs> I I like the principle. I um got hit up on social media by a guy with the the, the username Degenerate Sports, and the S is a dollar sign at the end. All of two followers. Sounds legit. But he, uh, exactly. Totally legit. Account created. Hot did, tip. <laughs> but he gave me another total because I was, you know, I, I think that's the highest total I can remember. I was like, I don't think I've, I've heard, I've seen high 70s and Big 12 matchups before. He pointed out a game when Kyler Murray was at Oklahoma, Will Greer was at West Virginia, 
And that total closed at 88.5. And they scored over 100 between them in the game. <laughs> so that one kind of not, and again, degenerate with degenerate sports with the S as a dollar sign, take it with a grain of salt. But it scared me off of it. So I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to do it. But I like your principal play. You're a man of principle. I like that. I've already, like, I already played over 76 and a half earlier this year and I lost it. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to stay away, but um, sure would be fun. Sure would be fun to be on the other side of it. Be like, a, like going and like buying like a novelty coin or something. You know, even if you could, even if you never get to spend it again, you got this cool novelty story. coin. Yeah. Cool story. Cool story. <laughs> All right. I mean, I want you to win just on the principle, but yeah, it's when you see totals that high, uh, <laughs> scary. <laughs> All, right. All right. I got a couple, I got, I still have a few more here to, to unload. So I, I've got two, um, Barton's bandwagon teams that I gotta, I gotta get on the board here. Um, Louisville, not Louisville. No, no. 20, 2020 bandwagon teams, Northwestern <laughs> and Oklahoma state. Northwestern is an underdog against Iowa. I don't know why. I don't. I mean, Northwestern is really good this year. I try to try to tell you, and then they go out and they put up forty on Maryland. Uh, I, Iowa is a solid team. I'm not gonna act like they can't win this game, but I think that Northwestern is a better team. Northwestern has a good defense. Northwestern has a good quarterback. Northwestern has a good offensive coordinator. There is experience there. There is like, this is just, I, I think this is a great opportunity. You're getting points, take them and run. Um, I think Northwestern wins. Uh, the other one's Oklahoma state. They are, they're laying what's, what's three and a half. Yeah. Three and a half. Let me see. Hold on. Let me just check. See if it's moved. Nope. Three and a half. All right. They're laying, they're laying three and a half and they're playing a Texas team. Look, I know Tom Herman as an underdog is a, you know, that's a principle that has has won people a lot of money. But typically, the you like that underdog line to be ticking up a little bit. Like you like the, um, in in Tom Herman has like a double digit dog, like the the, the big one that that we that we really like. I, I what you got, Tom? No, I'm just I don't have it in front of me. I just it's I don't know if it's double digit or not. I just it's he's good as a dog. Yeah. Whatever. Like I, I think the Texas is too inconsistent. I think the Texas is is just not a great football team. They're just not. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they win this game. They turn it around. Lord knows they need it. I mean, they, they they need some some good mojo. They just lost their number one player in the country in the class of twenty two. He just decommitted. There's all kinds of rumblings about Tom Herman's future. The eyes of Texas, the song, the, the school song is like getting all kinds of drumming up all kinds of controversy. Like it's just sort of a weird feeling right now around that program. Whereas Oklahoma state, I think is playing good ball. Like unless Spencer Sanders turns the ball over a bunch, which is possible. I, I just think the better team is Oklahoma state and Oklahoma state's defense is the best is, is the best unit on the field. So um, I'll, I will, I'll take three and a half. Sure. Lay it. All right, so we've got a lock agreement on Northwestern. Are you on the total for Oklahoma State, Texas? No. Okay, go ahead. But, Sorry. Uh, I will say uh, you're, you're 100 million percent right on Northwestern. This 
to me strikes me as the wrong team being favored. And I don't think that we're seeing a situation now where Northwestern's going to be scoring 40 points per week, but the, the improvement on that offense was legitimate. Last week was not fluky. Yes. Playing against Maryland certainly helped put up more points than we're probably going to see on a regular basis. But Peyton Ramsey raises the floor of that quarterback position. Mike Pajakian raises the floor of what they're doing schematically on offense. They looked like a college football offense last week, whereas last couple of years, I don't know what they looked like. It wasn't an offense. It was just a team trying to move the ball very slowly. It was more of a rugby offense, I guess. But I believe that this team is good. I think they can run the ball, and they ran the ball really well against Maryland. And I think that a Northwestern defense, while it's, you know, it lost a couple key guys, but it still looked pretty good against Maryland and it's well coached and it's salty and it's mean. And that's what I always like about Northwestern defenses. And Iowa did not look as horrible as the score might suggest in a 24 to 20 loss to Purdue. They still averaged about six yards per play. It's just they weren't very efficient on offense. There wasn't a whole lot of explosiveness. And I do worry about them going up against this Northwestern defense. I don't know how effective that offense is going to be, particularly with finishing drives. So I like Northwestern in this spot. And then plus just some trends, you know, talk about Tom Herman as a dog. Let's talk about Pat Fitzgerald as an underdog. Since he came to Northwestern, he is 51 and 33 against the spread when his team is the underdog. As a road underdog, he is 44 and 28 against the spread. So I look at this matchup, I look at those trends, and I think Northwestern is the right play here. Now that we've gotten the lock agreement out of the way, let's get out the lock fight. Because I fight, 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 fight. I'm on Texas. And a lot of this is feel more than anything because it just feels like the moment where we're getting a little too confident in this Oklahoma State team. I'm literally wearing a shirt right now. Maybe I should have chose a different shirt, but whatever. I just sit there and look at it and I say, yeah, this team's undefeated. Yeah, its defense is really good, but it's 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 kind of like the same principle with North Carolina a couple weeks ago where it's like, okay, they're ranked in the top 10, but this to me is not a team that is playing like a top 10 team. It is not a team that deserves to be ranked this highly and probably would not be ranked this highly in a typical season where everybody started at the same time and was playing a normal schedule. I think we'd be looking at a top 15 team, but not a team creeping up on the top five. And I think Spencer Sanders is talented, and I think that their offense is better now that he's back in it. But I also think he's very capable of making mistakes and at times is lucky not to get he gets away with some things that he's probably not going to get away with against better teams. And I think that offensively, Oklahoma State struggled last week against Iowa State, and I think they're going to struggle a little bit against this Texas team. Now, if we do want to talk about the trends, well, I don't have it in front of me. I don't have Tom Herman's record as an underdog overall. But what I do have is Tom Herman's record against ranked teams. And when he's playing a ranked team, he is Oh, one second. <laughs> Sorry. 13, five and one against the spread. Tom Herman teams are inconsistent. They suffer letdowns up against bad teams, and they are very hyped up when they're playing in big games. I think that is a testament to Tom Herman, but I also think it's an indictment of Tom Herman when they're playing the games that they're supposed to be winning, that they kind of relax a little bit and don't put in the same kind of preparation that it costs them. I don't think this is one of those games. I think this is one of those games where we're going to see Texas coming out with his hair on fire, trying to make a statement before like losing to Kansas or whatever in a couple of weeks. So I'm taking Texas here against the spread. Give me the three and a half points. 
I want to hop in and get on the Northwestern before we move on. I didn't want to interrupt you because I like the way you oh, that's- went right there. I was liking this game before. I love what you guys said for all the right reasons. Totally with you on Peyton Ramsey, who you know transferred because he couldn't beat out Michael Penix. He's a pretty exciting quarterback, but they really liked Peyton Ramsey at Indiana as well. And now you're seeing the type of player he is. Massive upgrade for them. I also think like Iowa lost to Purdue last week without their coach. Um, Iowa, I think, might have something going on, right? There's been a lot of issues that they've had to deal with well-documented allegations against Kirk Ferentz, the staff, um, they had to make changes literally 15 minutes ago, uh, during his press conference, two players entered the transfer portal, not starters, but I just, uh, something's off. And I think one of the things that, um, he's been able to do Kirk Ferentz at Iowa is really maximize his players potential. Like they've bought in. Maybe they're not buying in as much, and I think that presents some significant problems for Iowa. Northwestern coming off in a really impressive performance. Uh, I'm going to take them. So I'm with you guys on that one. Tom Herman as an underdog, but Tom Herman unders dog finally started to show their head again in that Baylor game as they turned in a 43 total. Now, you know, the Texas defense did a lot to change that narrative with, uh, you know, Dagum 98 points in Red River, uh, 64 points at TCU, and 100, and let's do the quick math, 19 points in the Texas Tech game. But if Texas, like Oklahoma State, we believe Oklahoma State's defense to be very good. I think that if Texas's defense comes to play, if Texas's defense plays well, then it gives Texas a real chance to win. So I, I like uh, Tom Herman as an underdog, but my lock will be Tom Herman unders dog. Do I get a 59 or 58 and a half the best I can get? I can get you 59. Let's go 59. Oklahoma State, Texas under 59. All right, I've got one, two. I've got two left, and then money line sprinkles. Maybe just I one. Might have one left, so mm-hmm. I'll let you guys go first while I ruminate on it. Go ahead, Chip. Okay. Um, actually, it's just going to be one left. Uh, Coastal Carolina, undefeated, surgeon. You think you can walk into the TED and just walk out of here with an easy win? This Georgia State football team is good. Like they've had the the close loss to Louisiana and they've had a close loss to Arkansas State. I think that when we start to get to this point in the season when we're looking for the teams that don't have losses to find them that you know this is going to be potentially a spot. It is totally eye test for me with Georgia State, but give me the Panthers plus two and a half. I uh, I think they take down Coastal Carolina and hand the Chanticleers or the Chanticleers their first loss of the season, but with two and a half points of wiggle room or three, if I can get it. Three. Yeah, I'll take it. Georgia State plus three. It was on the card. All right, I've got uh, one more. My my three that are on the cutting room floor are Penn State plus the points, Michigan State plus the points, and Texas Tech plus the points. Not playing Texas Tech because I didn't have enough substance to it, but it was a little bit of a hunchy play. Um, I mean, you hunchied on Oklahoma to cover, and they dominated. 
It's true. So maybe I should just play. You, 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 you baiting me? You goading me into play? I mean, I think it's a reckless play, but I would love to see uh, see you be invested in it. All right, let me unload this one here, and then I'll see see what happens. So I got got beat pretty, got burned pretty good last week on Rice MTSU. Can't believe that didn't hit. Can't believe that didn't hit. I'm still shocked at it, and I I'm not gonna give up on my owls just yet. They play Southern Miss this week. In case you haven't been following the saga at Southern Miss, their head coach resigns or there's fired, whatever you want to call it. They have an interim head coach, Scotty Walden, who's 30 years old, full of energy and life and optimism. And then COVID just strikes him and he's got to sit on the sidelines and watch his team play. Only he's a very energetic and, and efficient and productive guy. And so he's not just going to sit there and twiddle his thumbs while he's sitting in the COVID quarantine. He's going to go do a couple interviews and maybe see what other jobs are out there, see if there's anything else he can do to keep himself busy. And while he's out there, he does so well on an interview that he accepted a head coaching job at Austin P. And now he's gone. And so they're on their third interim coach, or no, just their third coach, head coach of the year. This is, again, a team that also has had trouble stopping the run, that their quarterback, Jack Abraham, I don't know if he's playing this week or not, but he is banged up. Um, and this is a team that just really hadn't been that good and like is, is, is pretty rudderless from a leadership standpoint right now. Um, not to mention there's down bodies like uh, in, in the coaching office. So I'm going to go double down on rice, see if they can take care of business this time. They're, fa- they're, they're the dogs instead of, you know, with the, the burden of being a favorite. Um, and I'm going to see if they screw me again. Help me out guys. Fuck <laughs> agreement. Wow, right. that was the one that i was debating on but if you're throwing it on i'm going on with it too because yeah all the same reasons like southern miss is literally on its third coach of the season how am i going to take that team as a favorite against a rice team that runs the ball really well and a team that can't stop the run so yeah that you convinced me to make that my final play of the week all right i'm tapped out i will i will say that the cutting room floor what is left uh is the wake Syracuse over. Uh, but I am nervous that Syracuse might not be able to do its part right there. But I really like where Wake Forest is at. I feel like that team is rounded a corner. They're playing well. Yeah, Barton and I have 10 games on the board this week. I know. I'm not I'm definitely not playing Texas Tech. This is a this is an incredibly reckless, undisciplined week. <laughs> it's gonna be a disaster, I'm sure. But here we you are. You wanted to take Texas Tech? Yeah, I was thinking about taking the points. Oh, I was thinking about Oklahoma. So good thing we avoided that. <laughs> I don't like being on the opposite side. All right. So, Danny, are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Everybody's everybody's done. We're moving on to uh, moving on to Moneyline Sprinkles. All right. Yes, sir. You we you still again if if we go until we hit stop. But for right now, uh, we will turn on to Moneyline Sprinkles, where Rutgers was. Rutgers pulled me damn near to break an even three and eight on my money line sprinkles. But because that plus 400 is cashed, I am up to third place in terms of the units at minus 0.65 units. Uh, Barton one and five at minus 2.5 units. Danny three and three, 2.05 units. And Tom four and four, the Rutgers win moves him. Uh, Do you have a note? I just want to point out to you, I warned you last week about NC State taking too, taking too many, and you took Ole Miss too, 
Or no, it was that two weeks ago. No, oh, it was a three. Uh, yeah, because Barton goaded me into three locks last week. Yeah. Had you just stuck to Rutgers, you'd be in second place right now. Or close to second place. Anyway, closer. But you wanted to, you know, fly a little too close to the sun. Such that's the way it goes, man. Uh, all right, Tom, what is your money line sprinkle? All right, my money line sprinkle is something I can't believe I'm getting as much value on as I am. I'm taking Memphis plus 210 against Cincinnati. This is a situation in which Memphis's offense is very good. And as we saw last year when they played twice, Cincinnati's defense was able to slow it down a little bit, but it couldn't stop it and it couldn't keep up offensively. I think that's going to be a similar situation this week. I think Memphis is going to put up enough points on Cincinnati and a Cincinnati offense led by Desmond Ritter that I just don't think it keep up. Plus, Memphis has won five straight in this series. It has gotten the better of the Bearcats for a while. Maybe it ends this Saturday. In fact, it might be the more likely scenario, but I think it happens often enough where Memphis wins that plus two and a ten, plus two ten looks like tremendous value. All right, Danny, money line sprinkle. All right, you guys talked about this game earlier. I'm looking at Mike Gundy doing a uh, 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 little interview um, on TV right now. I think it's going to be a great game. I didn't want to get in on this while you guys were having your lock fight, but I think Texas wins the game outright. This is more of the Big 12 chaos play um, more than anything, but I do feel like Oklahoma State is not as good as the – kind of this burned me last week with Notre Dame – because uh, I didn't think they were the properly ranked team. I think Oklahoma State's a little bit overrated. Spencer Sanders came back in the lineup, didn't look great. Now the good news is um, Chuba Hubbard's been getting better. He's been, you know, rolling on. You know, he's been really been getting his running game going. But man, it's just the Tom Herman underdog thing. The Sam Ellinger toughness finds a way to keep them in the game. Like this game is more of a toss up to me, almost a pick 'em, than it is a you know, Oklahoma State three-and-a-half-point favorite. So I'm going to take the Longhorns here. Um, do I get two? Do I do them now, or do we circle back? Yeah, you can go ahead and drop go it. for it. I'll go ahead and get my other one out of the way because I feel like I've been a little boring on these, and it's played out right. Like, I'm three-and-three, three, but that's like kissing my sister, right? I, I don't – I want to take a little more risk. I want to take a little bit more runs. And I've heard some of the different philosophies now that I've been around for a few weeks of, you know, kind of the different mindsets that are here. I like chips. Wouldn't it be hilarious play? Like that's one of the, <laughs> wouldn't it be hilarious if this happened? I, and this, I think this also would be an incredible story. Texas A&M. Everyone's talking about, Oh, this is a one loss West. They, they're in the playoff. They're one loss team. They're going to make the playoff. Man, they got a great chance. Arkansas is a much tougher out than I think anybody wants to give them credit for. The Kyle Field 12th man experience, I think, was incredible for the Florida Gators game, for the Florida game. I don't know if it's going to have quite the same impact on the game. And honestly, I don't know if it did in that game either. But Felipe Franks is playing pretty solid. Eight touchdowns, three interceptions. They've got some offensive weapons. Kellen Mond, yes, he's playing better. But I still don't feel like this offense is just going to be able to run away with any game. So I think it could be entertaining, compelling, and then – wouldn't it be funny if that happened all of a sudden the sec west which i don't think is as good this year clearly as it's been in years past i think it's more wide open than people want to think so i'm going to take arkansas what's my uh what's my number 370 there we go 
Get me in some real action, baby. (laughs) (laughs) It it seems like to me that a lot of our wouldn't it be hilarious scenarios involve Texas A&M. Yeah. Texas a and just, they're just kind of a, wouldn't it be hilarious sort of programs. Right. That was your play with the, the Florida game, wasn't it, Chip? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That was the one. Um, uh, all right, Barton. All right. I, um, I'm going to go a little off brand here. I'm going to go. Um, Don't you dare take what? a favorite in Moneyline Sprinkles. No, 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 no. Okay, off, just off brand for me. Like I just going a little bit uh, indie rock on this one instead of pop top 40 hits. I, I'm going with UTSA is they're catching five. What's their, what's the money line at? Like plus what do I have written down? Let's see. I can get plus you. Plus 180. Where is it at? Why can't I find? Yeah, I can get you plus 180. Yep. All right. I've been, I, I've been playing a lot of these big numbers. I need to, I need to get a win here. Um, UTSA plus 180, little, you know, one of my, uh, one of my boots on the ground, part of the Barton uh, Gambling Network uh, has informed me that perhaps FAU may be having some COVID issues heading into this game. Might be a couple holes in the old depth chart. So given that FAU's only played a couple games anyways, that UTSA has been sort of battling. Like My only concern here is maybe they're just tired because they, they played like seven games already. And they're just um, they they've they've been competitive in almost all of them. I don't see any reason why they can't go in here and win this game. Uh, they they might just be the better team. I don't know. So um, let's uh, let's give me the plus eighty plus one eighty. I'll take uh, I'll take the UTSA uh, hotter than fish grease. Uh, <laughs> see my wife right there, hot fish grease. <laughs> I kind of love it. Um, and uh, and I will be. It is. Right, it follows with your lock, uh, Barton. I just, I don't know how it happens. I don't know why it happens, but I think Auburn wins that football game. What's the best price that I can get on Gus Malzahn and the Tigers? One thirty. One thirty. Let's go Auburn plus one thirty uh, as my money line sprinkle. Let's bring it home. And what are the other seven? No, that's it. I'm just gonna do oh, one. Okay. Okay, cool. I mean, it's just, it's starting to look a little ridiculous, that column with as many entries as it is compared to everybody else. I'm going to wait for you guys to catch up a little bit and uh, slow, oh, thank you. slow my roll. Okay, to review, Tom taking Ohio State minus 11 against Penn State. The under 60 in uh, Hawaii, Wyoming is going to be windy in Laramie. South Alabama, he's learned about the Jags. Plus four at George Southern. Michigan State, Sparty plus 25 against Michigan. Kansas State plus four against West Virginia. LSU, Auburn under 66. Indiana minus 10 against Rutgers. Northwestern plus two and a half at Iowa. Texas plus three and a half at Oklahoma State. And Rice plus two at at Southern Miss. Barton is on Georgia, minus 15 and a half at Kentucky. Notre Dame, minus 20 against Georgia Tech. The over, 61 and a half in Florida, Missouri. 15 and a half, Ole Miss to cover that spread against Vanderbilt. West Virginia, minus three and a half against Kansas State. Auburn, plus three and a half against LSU. Indiana, minus 10. Northwestern, plus two and a half. Oklahoma State, minus three and a half against Texas. Rice, plus two against Southern Miss. Chip, Ohio State, minus 11 against Penn State. Hawaii, Wyoming, under 60. The Florida, Missouri, over 61 and a half. UNC, UVA, under 62. 
the Nears, West Virginia minus three and a half against Kansas State. UCF Houston under 82 and a half, daggum principle. Texas, Oklahoma State under 59, Georgia State plus three against Coastal. Danny, Kentucky plus 17 against Georgia. Kentucky, Georgia under 42 and a half. Just makes my heart swell. Uh, Ole Miss, Vandy under 64 and a half. Ole Miss minus 15 and a half. West Virginia minus three and a half against Kansas State. LSU, Auburn under 66. Mississippi State, Alabama under 64. Northwestern plus two and a half. So much color on the board right now. We've got lock fights between Barton and Danny for Kentucky, Georgia against the spread. We've got... This doesn't count as a lock war, right? It's just a, a lock unity with a lock fight. That's not yeah. lock war status. Do we agree? I mean, it, I, it's not even going to be much of a fight. I'm just going to smother the three of you pretty quickly. <laughs> but honestly. just for for like the definition purposes, a lock war is going to require a two on two, right? Yeah, I think okay. so. Okay. Uh, lock fights, Kansas, uh, Kansas State, West Virginia, lock fight, Texas, Oklahoma State. That's going to be between Tom and Barton. You've got lock agreement with Ohio State, Penn State, Tom and Chip. And also Tom and Chip, Hawaii, Wyoming, under 60. Lock agreement, Barton Chip with the over in Florida, Missouri. Lock agreement, Barton Danny in Ole Miss covering that spread against Vandy. You've got an LSU-Auburn under agreement between Tom and Danny. You've got a Tom and Barton agreement on Indiana. You've got a Tom and Barton agreement on Rice. A lot of of Tom and Barton agreements over here. We'll see see how that ends up going. And then, of course, the Moneyline Sprinkles. Uh, You've got... Memphis plus 210 from Tom. You've got UTSA plus 180 from Barton. Auburn plus 130 from Chip. Texas plus 145 from Danny. And Arkansas, wouldn't it be funny, plus 370. We love you, Texas A&M fans. I'm sure you're going to be mad at us for this one again. But it would be hilarious if Texas A&M lost to Arkansas. So uh, best of luck to you, Danny. Remember... Subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast. You can subscribe to the audio form wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and the like. Uh, You can get us on video, youtube.com slash Cover 3. Also, if you've got that CBS Sports app on your Apple TV, Roku, or other OTT device, we're there too. You can find full video Cover 3 episodes. Put us up on the big screen. Put us on the projector. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com.